the field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Welcome to White Sox Business, the only podcast about Chicago's Southside baseball team, hosted by me, John Greenberg, and James Feagan. James, you've been spending a lot of time at empty ballparks lately, um, and this time they're actually letting you in. You're not jumping the fences. So give us a little rundown on what's going on at White Sox summer camp. This is slanderous. I was not skilled at jumping fences when I was 13, but at the... White Sox, they played their first intra-squad uh, game today, which is my biggest pet peeve, which is these are intra-squad and not inter-squad. Um, Lucas Giolito uh, threw three fake innings. Um, one inning, he got three people out in a row, and they made him keep pitching. And one inning, he <laughs> only got one person out, and they made him stop. Uh, it was very realistic baseball. Um, Adam Engel uh, really ground him to the dust to get that walk that started that second inning disaster. But um, I don't know. It, it's it's something. It's practice. You hear balls clang off of empty seats, and that's that's fun enough. But uh, it, it, it seems like it, it's mostly an excuse to try to get hitters timing back and, and try to hastily ramp up pitchers of six innings uh, in, in extremely unsuitable amount of time. But just no one, no one's crumpled over in a heap and started screaming in agony yet. So I, I guess it's success as, as is. So what did Lucas Giolito talked about? The guys who are missing, uh, Jan Moncada and Michael Kopech, aka um, the return for the Chris Sale trade. No offense to Luis uh, Basabi. Who's in camp? Basabi? Is he? It? He's still yeah. around. Yeah, someone's got to stay in right field uh, during the second team uh, workouts. Is that how I pronounce? Did I pronounce his name right? Basabi. I go Basabe. Basabe. <laughs> All right. For what it's close worth. enough. Close enough. It's, been, um, it's so, been a while since he hit that Hunter Green fastball like out of the park of the Futures game, so I can forgive you for forgetting. Right. No one's really mentioning him at all. Uh, so, so what did uh, Giolito say on Wednesday about his uh, his teammates? Well, as Bruce Levine turned the screws to him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 like, because Rick Renneria can't comment on it officially in any, like, real way, it kind of gives an extra ominous tone to it uh, and, and creates the indication that maybe they don't know when he's going to be, when any of them are going to be back ever, um, just because they kind of have to treat a personal situation with kid gloves, and obviously they can't. Talk about anybody who's tested positive for COVID-19, even when there is like literally only two people missing from the workout groups that don't have specific explanations uh, on them the way that Kopech and Chesler Cuthbert, who's coming back from Nicaragua, have. But Giolito's tone was very much like, yeah, we expect those dudes back really quickly. We, uh, you know, we are... um, you know, they're going to be a big part of what we're doing. I would still contend that even though he said like Michael Kopech is going to be a big part of what we're doing and that they expect that Mankata back really soon, at this point we're 18 days out uh, or 16 days out of the start of the season. And if Kopech shows up tomorrow, it'll be 15 days out. You know, It's reasonable he's going to have two weeks or less to kind of get ramped up, and they don't really know if anybody's going to be ramped up past five or six innings who's already here. So I think as the days tick off, that kind of, starts to dictate what Kopech's role is when he returns. But I, it definitely sounds like both on the record and kind of inquiring it, that they're, it's not like their conception have changed 
of what they're going to do with third base as a six on Mankata. Um, Ren and Rhea sounded a little bit like giving credence the idea that, yeah, it'll be a tight turnaround uh, whenever he does return to get him ready and get his legs underneath him um, for third base and, and starting an open day. And given that Mankata has pulled his hamstring, I think every year that he's been a major leaguer at some point, that's not the greatest thing to, to hear, but there was a lot made of Andrew Vaughn playing third base during inner squads, um, a position that Andrew might be relevant to note. Andrew Vaughn has not played as professional at any point, um, nor at any point in college uh, at third base. So as much as I think Renneria did not want to say like that guy's too slow, he can't play there on the record because he doesn't like to diss his players. I don't think there's, what I've been told is that there's no there's no reason to expect that this is some transition he's going to make. Um, you know, Jose Abreu takes grounders at third is a good exercise for first baseman to kind of keep them sharp. James McCann has taken grounders at third base at some point. Like, the baseball season's long, and I guess you have to keep yourself occupied. And they literally had no one else to stand there in the, or in the other half innings where Danny Mendick was, like, in the dugout. So Andrew Vaughn was out at third base, but Andrew Vaughn is not going to be starting at third base on opening day because Yamakata won't be there. That was the indication wow. I got. James is breaking news. Breaking saying, news on the podcast. That's not going to happen. It's what making I'm saying. lineup declarations. I like this. I like this kind of James. I like declarative James. So so rarely ever seen ever. Right, right. I don't like equivocating James. I like this is not going to happen. Be quiet, everyone. Um. It's it's everyone was got very excited about like you said on White Sox Twitter and the people that are there because hey it's something to something to tweet about something something concrete that's going on that's like about baseball and people love the idea of guys changing positions it just kind of sparks the imagination yeah and it's also like we're just watching workouts and everything is very normal and it seems like the players were thrilled by Vaughn out there like he. He, he got made to like do with a little drill where they're all charging short hoppers and he ran and fired a ball over to Brayu that he scooped and the entire dugout like started cheering. It was like the most interesting thing going on. Right. But it was also, you know, whatever. Like the, the dugout also cheered when Yasmani Grandal calling his own balls and strikes like rang up Luis Robert for a pitch that looked outside just because it was funny. Yeah. Have they let the reporters open up their own concession stands yet? Which I think they should let us do. Um, they've let Lamont Pope like drink like four cokes uh, today, and that was kind of <laughs> impressive. But other than that, it's been pretty pretty straight laced. So yeah, he's that. I wonder if he could match Rick Tellender's hot dog record, which was like in the early days of Twitter, like one of the it was it was like a hot thing among reporters when Rick Tellender showed up to a crosstown game and ate like twelve hot dogs. Just that's just another thing we're losing this year from baseball is just watching us stuff our faces with the free hot dogs, which may or may not be left over from the day the game before. Um, yeah, just no, right. like, just, yeah, no, just another thing this virus is taken from us. Yeah, what are we gonna do? Uh, I packed my lunch the other day to go to, to Wrigley. I didn't bring anything to, to the White Sox because practice was so early, but I did pack a lunch. I wonder if we could start making like. Could we like bring food and then heat it up ourselves? Like, can I bring like uh, my own tray and my own heater? I guess if you could plug in a hot plate, you'd probably be able to sneak it in. I don't know. I haven't put a test. I haven't put the security guard who scans my bag to the test uh, in a major way yet. I have yeah, complimented look- on her on the the like photo of her nephew that she had screen printed on her mask. But other than <laughs> it that, is, it is cool. Um, all right, I'll try to bring a small frying pan, maybe, <laughs> and a hot plate. Why not? 
Yeah, I think so. I can make omelets. What if I made omelets for the press? Is that would that get me in trouble? Just as long as like the strain of carrying the supplies in your backpack doesn't spike your temperature and then get you knocked out of screening. <laughs> get me banned. <laughs> or you, I, after the last, when I went there the other day, I got to be honest, I went to uh, Rico Benes afterwards. And eating that sandwich in a car, not very easy. <laughs> yeah, that memory made me think specifically that I was not going to do my phone interview in my car today because I was baked. So I found some abandoned corner of the stadium to do it instead, which is not hard. (laughs) Every corner and every nook is abandoned these days. Um, All right. What about a guy named Ronaldo Lopez, who you wrote a story about? And unfortunately for you, you got a lot of crap for writing a best mental shape of his life story in summer camp instead of spring training. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a lot of crap, but it, you know, it, it comes with it. And I feel like, and I'm, I'm not the person who leans toward the mental angle very often. Um, it's not my preferred route. I think it's often a catch all for more technical or talent issues that are present, uh, or holding someone back. Um, so it's not, and I feel like I often have to squeeze Ronaldo for more mechanical details that. I ultimately feel like might be just as significant to the right. mental explanation he makes all the time, but he very consistently makes it. And he very consistently says like, I wasn't in the right frame of mind and stuff like that. So at a certain point you have to stop ignoring what the player is telling you time and time again. And in Ronaldo's case, it was something that I could gauge frustration from talking to his catchers about dealing with him at times over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, Omar Narvaez once told me like, it's hard to help somebody who won't help themselves uh, about um, trying to convince him to, to do things or, or when he got frustrated. And, you know, there were anecdotes about him shaking off Kevin Smith on pitches and it leading directly to home runs because he was like stubbornly not couldn't be convinced off his fastball in moments. And, you know, James McCann seemed a little, you know, beleaguered talking about him during like the worst moments of uh, Ronaldo's season <laughs> last year. So it's it's definitely a thing of like this is a guy who sometimes gets in a fog or gets in his own head and it's it's more than we can really just talk him out of. And you know, well, I think Castillo said that something to that effect too. So and clearly Renneria got like the only mound visit Rick Renneria did made after shoulder surgery last season was to kind of snap at Ronaldo in Detroit. So I don't feel like it's just entirely you know, just kind of a mystical uh you know, non-answer to say like, well, he's just got to be focused. There's something to it, and it seems like he tangibly addressed the fact that he mentioned that he went to see the talk to the team psychologist near the end of last season. That's something that's become new and part of his habit now. It, it seemed like news, and uh, you know everything's kind of eyewash at this point. It does feel a little bit – the most thing that feels legit like a spring training is how much we kind of deal with like, uh, oh, we're, you know, we're optimistic for the season and then kind of empty answers about why everything's going to be different, why everything's going to be okay, but – this does seem like something that he's been working on and progressing towards uh, actively over the last nine months or so. So uh, if he's saying he's in a better place, it seems like everything's easier for him to, to talk about when he's got his uh, daughter bouncing around and laughing and everything. So he seemed like he was in good spirits yesterday. But ideally, and I think because his future in the rotation past 2020 depends on it, if he can be somebody where his problems are addressed by just not getting as frustrated, then uh, this this would be a convenient time for that to come through. Do you think Gio Gonzalez, I mean, you quoted him in the story, will he be 
you know, they, they don't, it's not like they have a great, like a big relationship, but he does remember him, you know, when they were both in the Nationals organization. Can Gio Gonzalez be kind of a guy maybe who can be a, a kind of a peer mentor in the rotation? I mean, it sounds like it. Don't get angry with me, but there was a quote uh, from Gio Gonzalez who referred to like Ronaldo, like talking about him then and now saying like, it's like seeing your little brother grow up. So it seemed like they had a decent rapport uh, in Washington. And, and Giolito said today that Gio Gonzalez is always the guy to, when they were minor leaguers in camp to invite them out to dinner and have them over to his house. And that he was always kind of this person who was trying to foster this mentor relationship role. I don't know if that still works when the young guys are 26, like they are now, but it it, it seems like it's, it's not going to be a negative or or a source of friction to have them together. It it seems like they're kind of picking up where they left off in that respect. Plus he's got Don Cooper to deal with. I'm sure that's always delightful. Um, It's got a great full goatee now. Hey listeners, producer Cam here. Sometimes you just can't wait to see a doctor. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship you your medication with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to discuss your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash White Socks for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash White Socks, all one word, for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Love schedule announcement day. I, I was actually, when they announced it, I was like away from my computer for a while, and then I see it's going on, and everyone's tweeting about games, and I'm like, wait, why didn't I get this, the release? And then I found out that they literally had to wait till the stupid MLB Network show like did this entire song and dance and then MLB sends its press release out before the teams were allowed to send out their schedule release. Like I get it. It's news and it's exciting and it's fun. Like I like this stuff. That's a little much that, that they were all, <laughs> there was a, there was a ban on teams sending out their own schedules for an MLB network show. Are they that desperate for ratings? Yeah. Like they couldn't even talk about it until their segment on the show had happened right. yet. Is And that goofy, I'm like absurd. this, display that they had on the show that didn't have dates i couldn't believe it when i think i emailed the cubs guy first and he was just like yeah we can't give it to you yet so i was like did i miss this am i not on this like release yeah it's absolutely ridiculous but let's get to the schedule because we actually do know it now um james what what stood out to you about this aside from i mean well, here, one thing to start off for me really quick. After they play their first three games at home, they have a three-city road trip. Fun. As another baseball executive said to me, why on earth do teams have three-city road trips right now? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, is it better to go back and forth? I, I think they kind of feel like, yeah, it is. Or is like the idea that players will go crazy and uh, do something irrational while on a three-city, ten-day road trip? Or that just that, that like, the, or I think besides increased risk, it's increased stress. 
and also like harder to send a reinforcements. Um, like who wants to be at a hotel right now? You know what I mean? Who wants to be in a road? I don't think, I don't think either of our local teams have to worry too much about players um, gallivanting around town when they're in the AL and NL central, the road trips are not exactly um, the most cosmopolitan of cities. Um, it's going to be tough to find a place to eat after most of these night games. I know they do. They do get to go to Pittsburgh. That's as cosmopolitan as it gets. I and as a native of that area, I love Pittsburgh. Uh, but I, you know, I don't know if that's going to be. It's really going to tempt them as much. You know, to go out to to the Strip District or um, South Side. They're fun bars. I don't even know how bumping they are in Pittsburgh right now. But like, uh, you know, like the the White Sox first road trip is Cleveland, day off, Kansas City, and then to Milwaukee. I don't know how crazy that's going to get. They have these huge blocks. They have like the Field of Dreams game on the 13th is technically a home game. And then they're in Chicago from the 14th to the 30th of August. And then they have another three city road trip. Uh, right. And then they have their like Ohio gauntlet where their, their <laughs> playoff mo hopes might hit the rocks before they ever get their crosstown showdown against uh, the Cubs to determine the fate of the city uh, for, for now and forever. Right, so what you're talking about is on September 18th through the 24th, they're in uh, three in Cincinnati and four in Cleveland. Then they come home for that much-awaited series, um, 25th through the 27th, at home against the Cubs. Uh, do you have a did this did seeing the schedule change your predictions? Did you even have a 60 game prediction? We didn't make you do that, did we? I think I did really incremental stuff like, oh, 34 and 26, uh, or maybe 33 and 27. Like, uh, I expect them to be hovering over. No, it, it doesn't really change anything. Um, like, seemingly significant stuff like, ooh, they get 7 out of 10 at home versus Minnesota, you know, still equates to like, well, does that, does home advantage even matter anymore if there's literally no one there? Does it matter a lot because every road trip you're uh, basically, uh, it's the road uh, with like a Cormac McCarthy novel the entire time. Like it, it kind of remains to be seen. I, I fundamentally still think like if they're any good, they'll be good. And if not, they'll, they'll stink and they'll get like, if they're a mediocre team, they'll drop stupid games to the Royals, even though they get to play them all the time, because that's what happens. Like the, the, like the post all-star break schedule they had um, last season, I thought was pretty, I didn't think it was like rigorous, or like some like disastrous stretch, but they just like lost like seven or eight coming out of the break last season, just because they weren't that good. Like it wasn't about the schedule like breaking them in some way. It was just like this is a team that's running out Dylan Covey a lot because they're they're just not there yet. So I I I feel like their objective quality will come out in some way, even even if the you know they get to play the Tigers more times than anyone should be allowed to. They, uh, yeah, there's, there's seven games on the road at Cleveland, probably the make or break, you know, that that's like the make or break games of their season, right? Yeah. Um, at the same time, if they get swept opening series at home by Minnesota, that'll probably tick, give us <laughs> like a big clue about how things are going to go. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like we, like you said, we don't know. I mean, you could get, they could lose any of these games. Are you excited to go to Iowa? If you, I don't know if you're going to go to Iowa. Do you want to go to Iowa? <laughs> we can talk about this on the on the podcast, August thirteenth. One well, game. it's like <laughs> if there's uh, uh, one hand, like 
in a normal season, like it's one game and it's kind of showy and goofy. But on in this season where we're trying to wring some value out of being at the park, even though there's no extra value to being at the park, it seems like the park where there would be a point of being there because it's supposed to be inexperienced to see this. Like if it's all about trying to convey something I see with my own eyes uh, and just find some value into being there and watching in person, that seems like the game where there would be some value rather than, you know, being it in Cincinnati in person versus see watching on TV. But I, I, I don't know. It, 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 at some point we're just asking what's the, what's the value of James right. was sitting our, there while this was happening. Our university of Iowa reporter is going to do a story for us about it. And then he mentioned he wanted to go to the game too. So he, he could did? double cover it. <laughs> He's uh double cover that bad boy. You know, they, you bring up a good point though, on the value of going to games and it's something I've debated with. I was talking about it with another with a writer for um, for another sport, Sam Smith, uh, the famous Bulls writer. We were talk, emailing about it the other day. Like, what's the value of it? And I think there's value of seeing something with with your own eyes. Still, now does that mean? And I'm not. I'm talking about road games, not home games. Obviously, you guys are going to go as long as everything's okay in Chicago. But road games, yeah. I mean, like, I think there's value going. How do you feel about it? I don't know. <laughs> no, no uh, I'm, that's honest. I, I don't think you should go to every game, bro game at all, but like, I'm curious just in general. Like, it, I guess it depends on how the games are. Like if they're stupidly piping and crowd noise or like to the point where like, I can't hear, I would love to hear the players and like hear their commentary and hear, hear the conversation and mostly just hear them cursing angrily. I love like right. how like live the field mics are in Detroit. That's my favorite thing about it. Um, just it's one thing to hear like Tim Anderson say in 2017 that he's having like a frustrating season. It's another thing to like hear him like just screaming profanities after every like strikeout looking and like, oh yeah, he's, he's frustrated. Like that, that feels more real. Um, but if they're, if they're trying to like recreate the game in a way that makes it just as just as distant watching it from the press box as it was during all the other seasons and we're not talking to them, then then I feel like it would start to feel a little bit less meaningful to me. It's also like a fundamental question of is a, is a hotel room really an increased risk or is it as long as I'm not in a tight confined space as people, then it's, 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 uh, it's, it's still something I can manage by being personally responsible. Like if it is, if I can pick it up by just like dirty bed sheets in um, right. in some residence in in, in Cleveland, then you, yeah, maybe it's not really worth it to go. But if it's more like as long as you're not going to a bar, you'll find then yeah, I think I can manage it, and uh, I would try to wring value out of it. Right, no strip clubs on the on this road trips, James. You gotta stay, yes, steer clear. If you say so. <laughs> that's a that's that's a that's a organizational uh, <laughs> declaration, but because uh, I know in Detroit that that's the number one place to go. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, like, I think every it's gonna be interesting to see like what beats travel and which ones don't. Obviously, um, the Cubs and the White Sox are in a good situation that you can drive to you you can drive to all these places you know reasonably well, and some more than others. You know, some aren't bad. Obviously, like Milwaukee's fine. I mean, that's nothing. 
you know, you're going to drive to Wrigley because it's closer to your house <laughs> than the White Sox. Um, you know, and there's other places I think that the driving, the driving's easy and right. You don't have, you don't get, you know, maid service at a hotel, you know, they're going to do like contactless check-ins, I'm sure. So there's definitely ways to get around it. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, well, I forget what city it was in. I want to say, um, not Detroit <laughs> that I could just like, I could mobile check in with like a Marriott app and just like scan it and then walk into my room without ever like talking or dealing with anybody like that would be great. But um, I don't, I don't know if what the fate holds as far as that. Um, I would say that like our first year we were starting out, like it was a necessity because we were a startup, but um, I probably wasn't having the best interviews the first game of a series in Cleveland because I had just driven five hours and my brain was kind of gone. Um, no. It, obviously, that's less of an issue now because I just need to get there physically for the game. And it's not like I need to show up and be really locked in for 50 minutes and grab like three or four guys in the clubhouse and then talk to the manager and have like a bunch of unique angles right. from all these one-on-ones that I got in a rapid fire. And it's much more like um, sit there for a Zoom session where you get to ask two questions amid 15 others and then watch a game, which seems a little bit low energy. <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see. I think personally, I think part of it, you know, people are saying, well, we're not going to get the access, which, you know, is our main point of going to these games. So what's the point of going? I do think there's a, there's a point to documenting this experience because this is history. You know, this isn't just like an annoyance to us professionally in our, in our job of chronicling sports teams. I mean, this is a, you know, a very unique, important time in the world and for, in our little slice of the world in sports, you know, I think there's some value to being there and documenting things. I, that's just me as the editor, not the person who has to drive six hours to Cleveland. I'll be a great quote for the young kid who's writing some oral history of the season uh, 20 years from now. <laughs> about, when you're about like a the, famous. About the failed effort to play the 2020 season. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> we can only, only hope that uh, – the industry's around then for some plucky young world historian to, <laughs> to write about this. All right, let's close it up with uh, the fun thing. They're putting cutouts in the stands at White Sox games. Uh, who, if you could pick, so what is it? It's like 50 bucks, I think, right? A cutout. $49. To, $49. <laughs> goes to White Sox charities, which, you know, I presume is a real charity and actually gives money away. Um, who would be your top? few people you would like to buy cutouts for and put them in and you would get a chuckle out of seeing it on TV. Huh? I mean, I got photos of Merck in my phone that I could submit. Uh, so that's one. That would be a crowd pleaser. (laughs) Um, I could submit that photo of myself from when I was 19 flipping off the camera and like buy like 10 spots and put them all over. That, that would that, that would probably mess with uh, Giolito if nothing else. Uh, <laughs> hmm. Well, like, what 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 are you thinking? Well, I mean, I'm thinking of like Drake LaRoche would be hilarious if you right. put him and his dad. If you put him and Adam LaRoche together, I mean, that's instantly hilarious. Um, maybe Oni Gian. That would be kind of funny. Uh, I'm trying to think of other like White Sox. I mean, you, Hawk would be funny, right? Kappinger. Jeff Kappinger would be hysterical. Uh, who else? Like, 
It'd be funny to put like Joe Cowley because if like you know if like Scott Reifert's watching or something, he would get like the shakes. Uh, I'm trying to think who. I mean, there'd be like Bob Rosenberg would be funny. Uh, Merkin would be you know hilarious for us. Scott Merkin, the MLB longtime MLB.com writer. Like people like Jay Mariotti, that'd be funny. Just for like the you know for like if Jerry Reinsdorf's watching a game, it <laughs> just like I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want Jerry to have like palpitations or anything. But you know, just like I mean, various various characters. Sada has always added. told me how much he misses covering the White Sox. So if we could just like paper his image, we got to get Sada making his face. People just, with baseball Twitter would love that. I think I feel like it'd be we could really do some good ones behind it. But I feel like people are going to buy up all the good spots if we don't do it soon. I I, I remember it was before I got hired. Like Sada was like <laughs> was covering the game. Where because uh, it's 2016 and the Cubs are you know on their way to win the World Series, and I think it's the game like Rodon like got one out and like gave up six runs in the first inning. And Sada was like texting me like, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> like really angrily. And I think after the game, he talked about like how he had like he was asking Rodon all these like uncomfortable like follow ups, and he like apologized to him afterwards. And Rodon was like. Don't apologize. I was the one who was terrible. <laughs> that might have been like the last game he went to like to cover the White Sox. So Right. Adam's like, stop sending him to cover the White Sox. I'm like, all right. It's like just trying to cover everything. And then we start sending him on the road. And the legend of Sahada was born. Yeah. That day. It was almost like a, a, a rebirth for him. So yeah. <laughs> anything that anything that put him in the, back in the White Sox stadium would be would be apt. <laughs> all right thanks james this has been another excellent episode of white Sox business please leave us a like a comment a rating donation to your venmo account for snacks on the road whatever on apple spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts our business here is done <laughs>